0: Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Continuing our series on uh, 1 John, spiritual mentoring. This is the seventh and we're gonna pick it up in in, uh, 1 John chapter two. And we're going to read five whole verses of Scripture. and Well, actually, more than that. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, verses of Scripture uh, tonight. Yeah, we'll be reading a lot more Scripture, but that's, you know, in 1 John. And um, I assure you by the, the, the Word of the Lord that all of this consecration and dedication that you have done to learn the Word and to grow in the Word... And to present yourself in 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 the presence of God, even though sometimes it wasn't necessarily uh, convenient, et cetera, that in the days to come it will pay rich, rich dividends, and <clears throat> the Lord will. The Lord has has definitely seen who's faithful, and it is those who will be treated, who will be trusted rather with great things going forward. Turn to your neighbor and say, I volunteer. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse, beginning with verse 12. This is a very interesting passage. He says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, now am circling back. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. Amen. I have written to you, fathers, because you know Him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, And, and this is the key phrase from this entire passage, the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Verse 15, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives, how long? Forever. Now, I've said this multiple times in the last six weeks, but I will say it again here on the off chance that somebody either by web... Or by podcast or other means uh, is joining us uh, already in progress. All right. But remember that 1 John is a companion letter for all intents and purposes. He, John is here instructing his spiritual children. He considers the readers his in his personal, I should say, personal spiritual charge. He sees them as his responsibility. He's instructing, he's tutoring, he's coaching, he's educating, he's training, he's equipping. And when it says, my little children, Jesus used the same terminology. And it is not denigrating them in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it was a term of endearment. It's like saying, dear ones, you know, he really loved them. And notice the tenses. He says, I am writing you, my little chin, or children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. Have been forgiven you. But then look at verse 13. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. And when you begin to read into it, you begin to say, you know, this really kind of sounds repetitive or even redundant. But remember this they are reading something that is not his first literary work the Gospel of John the companion volume to this in fact you might even think of this as a study guide to the Gospel of John and John doesn't consider this a sequel it's just that it's a companion it's a you know the Gospel of John was generic it was to the whole church not just the whole church of that day, but under the inspiration of the Spirit, it would be to the entire church throughout the ages. All right, Matthew was to the Jews, Mark was to the Romans, Luke was to the Gentile world in general, but John was written to the church. So when he penned the Gospel of John, he was wanting all believers to know the Jesus he knew. First, John, however, is not written it although the Holy Spirit preserved us for uh, preserved it for us, and it is in that sense written to us when John was writing it, he had his disciples whom he had mentored, whom he had tutored, and was still doing so in mind and also certain Doctrines and errors and problems that had arisen, and he is addressing those and making in the same spirit in which he wrote the, the the Gospel of John. So it's just as applicable to us, but it's different in character. All right, and notice the wonderful position John says you and I find our, in which we find ourselves. Your sins are forgiven you in the Greek that is the perfect tense past done you know it's not a case of okay you're the you're forgi- you' forget you know be sure to run back and get forgiveness for every th- single thing you've done you know when you first John 1 nine if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins but as a sal- salvation event as Standing between us and heaven sin has been dealt with by the Savior once and for all you do not have to worry you know a lot of people say well I've just I've committed the unpardonable sin I'm scared that I've committed the unpardonable sin dude if you're scared you've committed it you haven't because if you have committed it you don't care in fact you're proud of it you'll wear it as a badge of honor Perverted as that is, Alright. And so your sins are forgiven you through his name. In verse, uh, look at 1 John 2. two. He himself is the propitiation or the expiation as I have described before. For our sins and not for ours only but also those of the whole world. Remember we quoted, uh, I think it was Sunday, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says... That you know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding their trespasses against them. Now make no mistake if I uh, decide to start making ends meet by robbing quick trips, even though God will not hold those sins against me in the salvatory sense. I promise you. That that sin will catch up with me. Um, You know what I'm saying there. All right. And John knows that too. All right. But the important part here. He says he is the propitiation for our sins. Do you understand that that is his doing? There is nothing you or I can do to improve on that. Nothing. You know, that's the problem with works righteousness. Works righteousness always needs to do something more. In order to be pleasing to God. You are pleased. Now not everything you do or say necessarily is pleasing to God. But you are pleasing to God. Because you have embraced. This is the work. They said what should we do to do the works of God. And he said this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he sent. And that moves us out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's dependent upon him, not us. You know, God is love. He'll say that in 1 John chapter 4. He'll, you know, verse 7 and 8. God is love. It didn't, he didn't say, God is spirit. He, Jesus says that over in John chapter 4. But he says, God is love. He also says, God is light. And so God is all of these things meaning that is his essence. Um, I understand that the sun and that's the S U N which recently went over the hill in the west and headed for China and you know Japan and China and eventually Europe and will return here about 6:30 6:45 whatever sunrise is tomorrow morning. And it's funny because couple of days, for a couple of days, uh, Liam came home from school with a sun pink. Does everybody know what a sun pink is? He had been out, I looked at him, I said, man, you went outside at recess today. Yeah, and they have two different recess periods. You can ask Liam, what is your favorite thing at school? And he will tell you without hesitation, recess. He loves to go out and play with his best buddy, Maverick. That's his name, Maverick. And, uh, and so I could tell by looking at Bubby, he had been in the sunshine. All right. Now, I want you to think of God. God is, is, is love. He is light. And guess what? Nothing, you, your salvation, my salvation, are not dependent on what we did when the Sun shines it doesn't say I'm not shining on you no it's we I'm telling you that he sends the rain on the just and the unjust and it's hard for us to get our heads wrapped around that because we're always trying to earn something and John is saying can't be done you know and he's saying you know God personally You've moved from death into life. And he's saying that life that that was in Christ is truly in you as well. And it's the only way to know God that is belonging to him. And you are strong because you have overcome the evil one. Well, actually, Jesus overcame the evil one. And you share that you stand with him in that victory. By believing in, and you are strong, young men. Why? Because God made you that way. He is the one who defeated the devil, but that faith in Jesus appropriates that victory. Amen. And I want you to look at that at, at verse, um, let's see, fourteen again. Um, I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God, what? Abides. <laughs> I can remember when I was a little kid, my great uncle, we, whom we called Uncle Buddy, and his wife lived there in Tulsa, not too far from us. And we would go over to their house all the time. He, he was my mother's uncle, my grandmother's brother. He's my great uncle. And uh, his wife would play the organ. She had a Wurlitzer, some sort of organ, with all kinds of little things on it. And she was learning to play. She had She had a, a teacher who was teaching her how to play the organ. And I remember that we would go over there and she would play the organ. And one of the songs I specifically remember, one of the songs she would play was Abide With Me. And I went, what does that mean? I had no idea as a a nine-year-old or so what Abide With Me means. Jesus in John 15 and 4 says this, the companion volume to 1 John, Abide in me and I in you i think when john wrote first john chapter uh, 2 and verse 15, uh, 14 rather that he could hear jesus voice in his mind as he wrote that down word of god abides in you jesus in john 15:4 abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine so neither can you unless you abide in me now what, now hold on just a second we go oh man that's so good if it were not possible to be a believer and yet not be abiding in the vine this would be a waste of breath and ink are you hearing me it is possible To know the Lord, to to belong to the Lord, to have confessed Him as Savior and been genuinely born again, and yet, like the people at Corinth in Paul's first epistle, to be so carnal that there is little or no observable difference between us and the world, the unbeliever. How many of you with me? He said, "Are you not walking like mere?" Men. And that is exactly what he meant. And so, you know, he wants in Johannine, that's John's parlance, he is telling them that the life of God is in us. We are in a position of victory. We're not seeking victory. We, victory found us, raised us from the grave, but it is a position of. We must maintain, and the enemy works tirelessly to get us out of that position. He works tirelessly to get us to where we know Jesus, but we're not abiding in him. We're not walking with him. Jesus is ex- ex- abide in me. The language here, now I want you to notice what, what John is doing here. You may have caught it. Verse 15 is a jarring change. Look at this, I'm writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil and I've written to you children because you know the father. I've written to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. For crying out loud, don't love the world. It's strong. Do not love the world. He goes from this, uh, you know, kumbaya. <laughs> How many of you follow me here? To telling them something that he is emphasizing. Do not love the world. Nor the things that are in the world. That is the threat. Everything I said about you is true. God has made it true. But you are going to have to continue to allow him to make that true in you. And the quickest way out of that is to love the world. How many of you know somebody who used to really be have a heart for God, seeking God, hungry for God, and that they were walking the walk and talking the talk, and today they're not even in church. Today, they look little, if any different, from the world. That is that something got in there and separated them from the path that God wanted them to walk. They stopped Abiding. See, when you quit doing that, you quit bearing fruit. I mean, you hear me now, all right? And John knows that, and he's saying, "It's just an do not love the world." The word translated "love" there is the word agapao, agape. It means a controlling commitment. It doesn't mean having a having a a uh, an emotional attachment to the world, it means you have a commitment. You may remember that Paul used to have a fellow on his team named Demas, D E M A S, and he's even mentioned in one epistle as Demas greets you, blah, blah, blah. And then another one, he says, Demas, having loved this present world, has abandoned me and gone to Thessalonica. And that word he translated loved is the word agape. In other words, he has committed himself to the world, to the world system. Well, what is the world? It is the earthly, demonic system or order, or dare I even use the word today, culture. John's strong language is with very good reason. Because he will say in the fifth chapter of this same epistle, verse 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's strong. 2 Corinthians 4.4 talking about if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who who are perishing, verse 4, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, the God of this world, the God, small g, God of this age. Um, this coming Sunday, we're going to be making reference to the antediluvian world, the the world up to Noah. And you're going to hear some things that you may or may not have heard before, but uh, Peter calls it the ancient world, the world that then was, was destroyed by water. And the word ancient comes from the word meaning original, the very first and so he was saying he is saying the original world the original human civilization was completely destroyed by god and when we get there you'll see why all right and so uh, he is lucifer satan halel ben shekhar is the God of this age, the small g, the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2 2. All right. And in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12 and verse 31, Jesus says this Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, does that mean that he was cast into hell or into the lake of fire? No, it means he has been stripped of his authority. But he is still here, all right? Following the world's way, adopting the world's goals, methods and values is more than just unspiritual, in scare quotes for those who, of you who are listening by podcast. It's more than just unspiritual. It is uh, it is carnal, it is. Um, Sinful. All right, Um, Because he goes on to say. In verse 16 chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16. For all that is in the world. The lust. Of the flesh. The lust. Of the eyes. And the boastful. Arrogant pride of life. Is not from the father. But is from the world. Paul tells us over in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 that the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. When we love the world, we begin to think the world's thoughts after it. We begin to adopt its the it's its view of things, its value system, dare I say the world view. All right. And to show you how odious that is to the Lord. James 4 4. You adulteresses. He's writing this to Christians. He obviously didn't have a big church. You know Because when you preach like that, you don't have a big church. That isn't kumbaya, I'm okay, you're okay, that means we're both okay. No, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? That's more than being unspiritual. Therefore, whoever wishes to be the friend of the world makes himself a what? Enemy of God. What is an adulteress? An adulteress is someone who is married to one individual but is having an in intimate relationship with someone else. And it's not an infidel. It's not a divorce. It's infidelity. And here it's interesting because he says, "Whoever reading from James four four again, therefore whoever wishes to be a Friend of the world, uh, you know, uh, uh, wishes to be a friend with the word. Uh, friendship and friend are the word uh, philia and philos. We get uh, Philadelphia, like that, or the, our a suffix philia from the end of it, meaning to love. All right? Um, if, you know, uh, like he's an audiophile. That comes from philia, audio lover. He's a xenophile, movie lover. You know. And so this is somebody who, you know, he's saying, do you not understand that when you love the world, if you want to be friends with the world, if you want to rub up against the world, and you want to stand with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, that is an adulterous position. That is an adulterous approach. And, you know, and he goes, he says, the lust of the flesh. We see it in Genesis 3 6. If you've gone to church here any period of time or watched me on the web, you've heard me use this illustration. That when Eve saw, Genesis 3 6, that the tree was good for food, there's the lust of the flesh. I want that. How many of you have experienced, have walked into a restaurant and experienced the lust of the flesh? Now, Just remember that the word lust, epithumia, just means desire. That's all it means. We take the word lust with a negative connotation to it, and understandably so. But it's okay, you know, there are desires that are okay as long as they are within the parameters which are proper. But when they get outside those parameters, they get outside those limits, then is when we begin to classify that as lust, because it's, you know, because of the negative nuance. So, I mean, the other day, I went over to Hallmark Cards over here on 39th Street, you need to pick up a couple of cards to send in the mail, ministry stuff, and the wind on that day was from the south. And suddenly I got a whiff of Chili's restaurant and with just just the littlest hint of the smokehouse barbecue right next to it. Now, I wasn't thinking about food when I walked into the Hallmark store. I was not thinking about food when I was in the Hallmark store. When I walked out of the Hallmark store, my senses were assaulted by what I could only describe as something that would have to be delicious. And the desire rose in me to eat. Okay, now, as long as I keep that desire in check, it's not lust. But when I have eaten three entrees and two desserts, after four appetizers, something is wrong. I mean, you know what I'm saying here? Anybody who's been on a diet knows what it's like. You know, I tell you one thing: you know, in heaven we'll be able to eat at night. I remember when I was in high school, I couldn't gain weight to save my life. Those days are over. Lust of the flesh. She saw it was good for food. She said, I want that. I'll bet that's tasty. And then what was the next thing? And she saw it was a delight to the what? Eyes. It was pretty. I want that. And you know, we start early. The other day We're sitting at an intersection and I look up and there sat the new, one of the new Corvettes. And it's, you know, sitting over there rumbling like that and I look over there and I said to Liam, I said, look at that. He goes, what? I said, look at that, look at that great car right there. He goes, ooh. (laughs) And I said, yeah. He said, that's Cool, and then the light turned. We were going straight; he was turning left. And so when he made the turn, he could see the profile of the car. He said, "That looks like a race car." And I said, "Exactly. That is exactly what that you know, you know, you know. Part of him already wants one." That's that, you know, that's that lust of the eyes. In fact, later that day, we saw a yellow one, and he saw it before I did. (laughs) He goes, there's another one! All right? And then lastly, it was desirable, the tree was desirable to make one wise. Oh, yeah, to lift me up. That's that boastful, arrogant pride of life. You'll be one of the cool kids. You're going to be as the gods. The world is about selfishness. It's about number one. It's about, it's egocentricity. I, you know, the world revolves around me. I've met some people that were so selfish, I think they were what philosophers would call a solipsist, and that is they don't believe anything but themselves exists for sure. You know, I desire, therefore I am, with apologies to Rene Descartes, all right? Selfishness, I'm the center of the universe. Greed to have more and more, as much as I want, or as much as there is. I've heard, I think it was Andrew Womack said, to get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, you know. And power, boy are we seeing this in our nation. People who care not about the, the, the nation or the people, all they care about is being in power. And the ability to get what we are seeing the biggest wealth transfer in the history of the world right now. Out of our pockets into theirs. All right. And lastly, so selfishness, greed, power, and hedonism or hedonism, depending upon which part of the continent you're from, which is the desire for pleasure. The passing pleasures, as Hebrew says, of sin. But we see here in 2.17, the world is passing away. Everything in the world system is designed to drag us away from the Father. But it says clearly that the world is passing away. Now, that doesn't mean it's fading or losing strength. Make no mistake, darkness is still here. The devil is still here. It is still fully operational. But according to John chapter 1, again, going back to the companion volume, verse 5, he said, and this is from the New Living Translation, I really like it, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Notice it says the light shines in the darkness. The day will come when there will be no more darkness. There will be no more curse. And th- even physical evil. Physical evil. Which we live with on a daily basis. Will be will, will be reversed. And, and the curse will be reversed. Alright. And it, so what he's saying is that if we walk with God as far as darkness is concerned as I said last week it's game over for the old regime it's still here but its days are numbered its obsolete but not yet destroyed I read a thing today that in the name of climate change the European Commission is thinking about passing a law that says major repairs will be unlawful to any car that is older than 15 years old. Yeah, so in other words, if you have a 17-year-old car and you need major repairs, the law will say you, you can't repair it because they'll make you buy an EV or something. And this is in Europe, not the United States. All right. And that's what they're wanting to do is they are trying to manipulate things to get what they want. Amen. Your car's days are numbered. No, they're not. <laughs> Your car is obsolete. You know, think about this. If um, the um, I was looking the other day, I was thinking about, how many of you worked with computers, 20, 25, 30 years ago? I remember the first computer we had here at the church. It was an eight, it was a uh, Hewlett-Packard. And it had, a, it had a Motorola 8088 uh, uh, processor in it and it had a disk operating system where you had the, the C prompt and you had to tell it everything to do. I knew how to run that because I knew, you know, I, knew uh, I had worked with that when I was uh, going through uh, Bible college. I was a computer operator at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Dallas. Which is right next to Parkland Memorial Hospital there, and we worked with a great big DEC System 10 with PDP 11 front end, you know, and that computer would the 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 disk drives on those things were the size of a small Maytag washing machine. No, I kid you not. Our, we had uh, RPO fours and RPO sixes, and the fours had four disks and the RPO6s had six, those discs were this big around. And when I wanted to change out the disc drives, I had to walk up to the thing which was about that high off the ground. It had a door that slid back and it comes up and it had a thing. It looked just like a Maytag washing machine. You spin it down, you put this thing in there and lock it and pull those platens out of there. And put them in a holder and cover them up so they didn't get dust on them. Pull the new one out, put it in there, lock it into position, close the the uh, door on it like this, and reach up and hit rinse. <laughs> now reach up and hit start or whatever the button was like this, and that thing and spin up, you know. And that great big monster hard drive would hold somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 gig uh, 20 megabytes of s- nothing i mean today that's nothing i mean you know this that great big computer that half filled that room it had cabinet after cabinet after cabinet after cabinet of memory their memory was little pieces of iron that chunks of iron between two two wires And so they literally would address it and when you would walk by it you'd see all these lights doing all this stuff, you know, just like, you know, Star Trek or, you know, Mannix, you know, from days gone by that that, there's a show that'll take you back, you know, and whenever it would crash, we were required as operators to write down which lights were lit because that would give the engineer understanding of what a little better understanding of what hung it up and those multiple cabinets, which were so much larger than, uh, you know, were four or five times the size of your locker at school, much deeper, much wider, taller and everything, held eight megabyte of memory. This, the computer in this thing is a thousand times more powerful. And not only that, Oh, your Costco shipment. Of- oh well, anyway, <laughs> you're, the, and and this thing has replaced the VCR that I used to lug around with a camera on my like this, and the VCR so I could shoot videos of the kids. I don't need a camera with a big old telephoto lens. This has got it. I don't need to carry that boombox because it's built into this. I don't need a wire. Wired into the wall in my house. You know, carry it around with me. Because I can talk on this. Long distance even. I can talk to anywhere in the world on this thing. You know what though? That camera. That VCR. That, those, that boom box. That, um, you know, the, 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 all those things. They still work. They're still around. I've got stuff. I've got a boneyard of old stuff that I really need to go through, because <laughs> some of that stuff I will never. I mean, I've got a VHS. Is that? Is that? You know. You know. But it still works. Just the other day, I put a put a tape in it. I like got. I went. picture pictures, horrible. <laughs> but it worked. You know. Those things have more moving parts in it than, than a car almost. You know, they're obsolete, but they still are around. I mean, be with me. Darkness is obsolete, but it's still around. The The dominion of darkness is obsolete. Jesus has obsoleted it, but it's still around. And the day will come when God says, we're not... You know, it's gone. Yes, Finally, the obsolescent thing will go away, like a fifteen-year-old car in Europe. All right, let's keep. Let's keep. Let's get back. I don't know if you got anything out of that, but um, John chapter one and verse twelve. Jesus said to his many. Oh, the, John the apostle says concerning Jesus as many as received him gave he the right and that word is authority to become children of god even to those who believe in his name and the evil one cannot stop anyone from doing that cannot stop you hallelujah we have the authorization the delegated power to become children of god born of the Father, directly into a position of strength, born in victory, to walk in victory. So let's go back to John chapter 15 and look at verse four again, and then what follows. Abide in me, and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you, unless You abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? No thing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are burnt. I know people look at that and they say, oh, no. That means if I don't toe the line that I'm going to be ejected from the body of Christ, I'm going to be cut off. That is not what that means. Remember who's talking, to whom he's talking, what is the situation in life? Who's talking? The Messiah, who has not yet gone to the cross, To whom is he talking? His disciples. What's about to happen he's about to go to the cross and from that point forward the Jews are going who all are technically in the vine remember over I think it's Romans 11 Paul says you were wild branches and you were grafted into a cultivated uh, uh, olive tree and you would say well branches were broken off that I might be grafted in he said true They were broken off because of unbelief you were grafted in by your faith that is exactly the reference here the Jews who do not believe are going to be broken off and they're going to be gathered together and cast into the fire those who believe are going to stay put because our position is not based upon what we do our position is is based upon what he did. I mean, are you getting the drift there? Okay, and so he's, he goes on to say, if anyone doesn't abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there it goes back to what John was saying in chapter two, verse 14, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. You know, if we really knew how much God loved us, and we really knew how, how committed He is to our victory, to our blessing, You know, when I say victory, that means we will go through stuff. You know, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Easy as pie, piece of cake, you know, easy peasy, one, two, three, Z. It's not going to be that way. He never promised. He even said, in the world, you will have tribulation. Anybody here in the world? I must be because I have tribulation. All right. He said... You know, I love this. He says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How do you know you are abiding in the vine? You will bear much fruit. And just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you abide stay in my love man if you understand how much he loves us and if you understand how much he loves you whatever he says whatever sacrifice he's calling you to make it is nothing because you know that he who loves you the most is telling you to do this and there will be a humongous blessing in it at some point point. and even if there wasn't pleasing him would be enough. You know, we say that and it sounds very pious, but boy, sometimes you have to tell yourself that. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There it is. There it is. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. How do I abide in His love? He said, okay, I love you. This is what I want you to do. This is the best thing for you. This is the best thing for everybody around you. It's the best thing for your family. It's the best thing for your neighborhood. It's the best thing for your community. It's the best thing for your church. It's the best thing for your nation. It's the best thing for the entire world. What have I got to do with the whole world? You might be surprised how the ripple effects of your life infect uh, uh, affect not infect affect so many others. What is it? Seven degrees of separation. You know, and he's so this, do this. But when we do something else, we get other results. All right. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Now, it doesn't mean he won't love us if we don't. It just means we're not walking in it the way he wants us to. And just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Um, You know, we don't use the word abide much anymore. The Greek word is the word meno, M-E-N omega, long O, which means to remain or stay. Stay in me. Stay in me, you know, it is the idea, it's a locative, it's the idea of location. You wouldn't say, you know, if your cell phone rings and it's somebody you know, and say, where are you? You wouldn't say, I'm at independence. You'd say, I'm in independence. Wouldn't you? That's just the way we say it. That's, that's the preposition we would use. And so it's a locative, all right? Uh, You know, I used to say, well, where's that at? And my mother would grimace and say, behind the T? You dangled a preposition. You know, 40 lashes with a wet noodle. In independence, I'm at the fair. I'm at the airport. It's a locative, right? But, you know... He said, I'm in independence. He said, stay in me. Stay right here. Now, if you will, imagine the good shepherd leading his flock of sheep. In fact, I think Jesus in John chapter 10 even referred to himself as the good shepherd. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. Right? Right? And I go out, and I go in. He doesn't say I. He talks about the good shepherd goes in and goes out. And they go in, and they go out, and they are saved, and they find pasture. And here goes the good shepherd. This is the direction he's leading. Now, the direction he leads for your life will be somewhat different than it is for others. But many, many things are going to be the same for all of us, right? And so, as we're following him, we are in... His flock we are in his will we are in his commandment we are in we're abiding with him abiding in him but if I am one of you know if I'm one of that if I'm that one sheep out of the hundred who goes and you know gets lost yes the good shepherd will come looking for me but I did not abide Again, this is not a heaven or hell issue. For those of you watching by web, you know, you can, you can outgas. This is not a heaven or hell issue. This is about staying with him and walking in his will and bearing fruit, which is what John wants to see for his spiritual children. He says, I want you. It thrills me to see my children walking in truth. My, Our youngest son has had quite the week in Jeff City this week. Everything that could go right, did. And I could tell you some stuff that happened, and you, in fact, one thing was so amazing that it was almost the talk of the whole floor at the House of Representatives, because people who know him were saying, that is crazy, you know. He even had one thing he was going to argue, and one of the people flipped on him. One of the people, one of them from his own party, just who had said he would support him and everything. Suddenly somebody got to him and he was going to come after him and he was going to, you know, debate him and, and argue with him, you know, and the committee thing like that. And two minutes before the thing started, the guy lost his voice. Aaron's just sitting there going, this is cool. When you're walking in the will of God, doing the will of God, all right? If you keep my commandments, you will stay in my love. If you keep following me, you'll be right in the path I've, you know, that I've, I have blazed for you. If, you know, if we, when you look at chapter 2 and verse 17, the world is passing away and also what's lost, but the one who does the will of God what? lives forever. That's eternal life, real life. Oh, amen. He who does the will of God abides, lives forever. Yeah. Amen. This is so good. John is telling us how to abide. He's saying, just do the commandments. Do what he tells you to do. You know, In fact, when you read 1 John 15 and 10, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. I just put those two scriptures together. All right. Do you hear the echo in there? All right. This isn't works righteousness. We're already forgiven. We're already strong. We do know him. We're not straining to try to, you know, to do this. The issue is just walking out that victory to the fullest and bearing the fruit which pleases him so deeply. So let's face it. Obedience has become something of a wordy dirt. Dirty word, you know, for some people. They think that puts them under the law and that being obedient takes away my privilege or my freedom in some way and it doesn't really but in our culture it's easy to see that thought thought process you know don't you put that on me that's the law no it's jesus all right proverbs chapter our musicians would come well we're crossing the threshold onto the runway proverbs 3 verse 1 my son do not forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commandments. Who wrote this? Okay, Solomon penned it. But who wrote it? The Holy Spirit. It is scripture. My son, my daughter, don't forget my teaching. Why would he say that? Unless it would be possible to let it get away. Amen. I, I, I triggered Siri. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Look at this. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Don't let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor, and that could be translated grace, by the way, and good repute in the sight of God and of men. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart do not lean on your own understanding what does he mean by that whenever your understanding says no we need to turn left here when yahweh says go straight or turn right you don't do what seems right to you there's a way that seems right unto man but the way thereof is the way of death you know you don't go that way you trust him in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. And by the time you get to be my age, your bones need refreshing. All right? Don't let this slip away from you, he's saying. Hang on to this. Tie it around your neck. It will bless you mightily. Then he goes on in verse ten or verses 9 and 10. Honor Yahweh from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I mean, you know, honor the Lord from here. To honor means to give credence, to respect, to and it is a response to God. Honoring the Lord giving worshiping him give we that's why we stand on Sunday morning after we receive the offering and we commit it to him because it, it is a response of honor. It is a response of faith. I know some churches just put a little box back there and you just put it in like why they don't want to make a big deal of it. They they feel like people say well if you you know if you make an issue of money if you talk about money you know it scares people off if you don't make an issue of money if you don't talk about money money, then they're going to be ignorant of what they need to do in order to make it in the days to come. And remember in verses 9 and 10, honor the Lord from your wealth, first of all your produce. He hasn't changed the subject. He's still talking. Don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Length of days, years of life. Peace they will add to you. Same subject. Verses 11 and 12. Proverbs 3. My son, do not reject the training, that's what discipline means there, of Yahweh, or loathe his correction, his reproof. For whom Yahweh loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Honor. We give him honor. You know, have you ever, I remember when I was a kid, there were, there were gas stations that said, we honor all major credit cards. How many of you remember that? You know, what does that mean? When you walk in and you hold up a credit card, they go, we are not worthy. We are not, no. It means they will accept that as payment. All right. When, in other words, they, they consider that valid. When we honor the Lord, we are we are saying he is valid. He is truth. You know, when you present a check, if they accept it, that means they're honoring the check. And when God speaks to us through his word, then we honor it. Go back to 1 John chapter 2 and verse the last part of verse 14 I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides meaning that they are doers they are honoring that word they are doing it they are abiding they are honoring they are obeying that is worship you know what you can come uh, and go and you can and and raise your hands and and sing the song and cry crocodile tears and everything, but if you do not walk out that door and are a doer of the word, this has no impact I don't know what it what it is with self me triggering cell phones tonight anyway the the uh you know I'm triggering the devil that you know it true worship is abiding in him. Let's all stand. I'll close with this. My son, you know, Christian, started going to this church where he lives up in uh, Leavenworth, and he said, man, the sermon was only about 10 or 15 minutes long. It was really short. What are you saying? Okay. 1 Samuel 2 and 30. The last part of it, he says, for those, this is God speaking, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. That is what John is saying. Honor the Lord. Glorify him. Abide in him. And by keeping his commandments, that, you know, doing what he says, another way, doing the Word. That's the way it's done. Those watching by web, you watching by web, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Savior, if you do not consider yourself a Christian, I want to encourage you that now is the time to come in. Now is the time to make that commitment. Now is the time because in the days ahead, you're going to need all the help you can get. You're going to need the help, you're going to need help from heaven. We all are. I'm not just saying you. All of us. And the only way to know God is to belong to Him. And the way you do that is you repent. And you call upon the name of Jesus. You say, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that you have, you have raised Him from the dead. Lord Jesus, I repent. I surrender. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I give you control. Oh God, forgive me and bring me into that life. Scripture says that He will accept you and in no wise will He cast you out, no matter where you've been, what you've done, any of that stuff. And you will be born again to a living hope. Believer, are you just stirring it with your finger? Are you a casual Christian? Are you a cultural Christian? I'm here to tell you that that is not abiding. We cannot love the world and love Him and expect to bear fruit. If you have been challenged by the things that I have said today, begin to get into that Word, get into the Scripture and let God begin to speak to you. Get into a church where the Word of God, uncompromising Word of God, the Word of Truth is preached and taught with integrity and you will see your life begin, you will see the fruit begin to grow and the best part of that is that our Father will smile on that because that brings him great glory. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app Independence Christian Center on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, Family, all one iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.